welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 14, The Legend of Bagger Vance from 2000, directed by Robert Redford. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm glad you brought up that Robert Redford thing, because this movie has two shy connections in that it's oh. a game about old-timey golf, and it's also a Robert yep. Redford-directed movie. I was just watching, as I was watching this movie, I was like, it'd be really cool if Shia was that little kid caddy, uh, but he's not, that he would grow up to be, you know, Jack Lemmon, but he was not, and instead we get this movie. <laughs> what was the other Redford movie when he was the... The Company You Keep, where he's the journalist. Yeah... That was a good one. That yep. was a very was an early unknown one. movie. Yeah, yeah. I well, an early one for us, oh, a late one for him. Yes, yes, yes. But and and a discovered film. I feel absolutely. When we that one. Yeah, here we are again. It's old timey golf. Um, old timey golf. As far as golf movies go, I mean, I'm not a big golf fan, but I love Caddyshack. I love Happy Gilmore. I think when you're making fun of the sport, it's a little, it's a little bit of a better movie than when they're taking it this dead seriously. I don't know. This was an interesting one. Had you seen this one before or no? No. I, I had only known sort of a, a of its reputation to a degree. The Will Smith role at the time seemed mm-hmm. even then kind of problematic in the press and everything. Just watching it now, I was trying to prepare myself for Will Smith to show up. Yeah, because this is a movie, I went through like a little bit of a Will Smith phase before I had a Nicolas Cage phase, and so I saw a bunch of his movies. This is the first one, I think, for any show on our podcast network that we've done a Will Smith movie. He will oh. be back in eight years for another Charlize movie for Hancock, which is a movie that yeah. I like more than this, even though I don't remember much of it and I don't think it's as good as I want it to be. But anyway, <laughs> we do have a little bit of the uh, magical or the mystical Negro trope here, where he's just this wise black man who comes in to save a young white man's life or whatever. Uh, so that's a little yeah. hashtag problematic. But this is not good by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't hmm. mind it. I don't think it's bad. It was a box office bomb. I was just looking it up before mm. we started recording. It was. It had a budget of $80 million. Um, I'm sure Will Smith commanded probably $20 million of that. But it only made 40 at the box office, and critics mm. panned it. So not very successful. What I liked mm. about it in terms of what we're doing here is that Charlize, at least in the first 20 minutes, half an hour, is really in it and like really good and playing this sort of like, I think what would typically be sort of a man's role in terms of like this like organizer right like i like yeah what she's doing here another return to her southern twang but then as the movie goes on she basically disappears yeah yeah uh, a couple things i want to address there i think first off i think redford actually handles the uh magical negro trope or whatever i think he handles it pretty well like there's this movie has a lot of tact like he's not as overt as i was expecting Mm -hmm. you know i feel like it's as respectful as possible if i had to say something the other thing about charlize is i feel like at this point people think she's from the south like she does so much southern accent work in her films up to this point it's like oh where are you from like alabama it's like no i'm from africa And I have to agree, like, this movie is a mess. I just have to say, like, up front, like, I didn't know who we were supposed to be following. Whose story is it? Is it young Jack Lemon as he's dying on the golf course, recounting his life flashing before his eyes? Is it Matt Damon, who is this sort of traumatized war hero who can't golf anymore? Or is it Charlize Theron, who's, like, the entire first half hour of this movie? It's, like, her movie. I was like, we get, is this, like, her? Is she going to pick up the golf club also? Like, what is going on here? This movie's all over the place but she maintains she's always good she's very good in this she's beautiful in this yeah she reminds me of that character in the nick you know the daughter of the investor who runs the hospital i, I can't remember her name exactly nurse elkins no no the uh, the blonde lady oh oh that yeah that is yeah, in yeah, love yeah, with yeah. algae yes yeah, yeah like if if she was born a man she'd be running shit in this 
time of America. Charlize is only running shit because her dad dies, right? And so her dad who had put... Well, dad kills himself. And that was the other thing that, like, your letterbox review was like, is this a kid's movie? Because I can't figure out why the tone would be. And I was watching it, and I was like, there's no way this is a kid's movie because the dad kills himself. Like, no. it, it's very it's very weird. Like, I agree with you that there's a weird tone, but there's, like, a lot of dark stuff here that's not necessarily yeah, for kids. But to me, it felt like Disney dark. That isn't, like, real... I don't. I didn't feel like that was real violence, per se. Like, that felt like Bambi's mom getting shot to me in a lot of ways. Like, I don't feel like they were going for a children's film, but I just feel like ultimately the way it plays, it's like, I don't know, it's so heavy-handed and, like, on the nose. It just feels like it's trying to lead you along every step of the way, like a film designed for younger kids, maybe. You know, something like golf, which isn't the easiest game to follow when you're a little kid, but I feel like it does a good job of trying to weave that into like an inspirational narrative that children could get i guess i don't know like i don't know like, is is this movie supposed to be like evangelizing golf like is it supposed to be hey golf is beautiful you should play golf to take a thing from your letterbox review and, and i saw this in the trivia is that this is supposedly based yes. on mm-hmm. like an ancient indian text with yep. the and all that kind of stuff so i wonder if it's just golf as a metaphor to try and get across those types of teachings and then again if that was the case i wish that was a little more overt i wish redford had tried to say up front like look this is a parable we're trying to say like i'm i'm a adapting like this ancient text and relating it to these characters but i don't pick up any of that i think where the problem there comes from is that this is based on a book which i did not realize the author of the book didn't admit that this was based on the bhagavad gita the author of the book didn't say that it was based on that until 2000 which is probably after this like probably when they were doing press for this movie he said so i don't know if he talked to robert redford about it but it seemed like this guy was like oh let me take these names like there is krishna which is also known as bhagavan which is where the name bagger vance oh, comes from bagger vance okay and then arjuna R- ranulf juna comes from arjuna a-r-j-u-n-a which is another character in there and huh. so apparently krishna teaches arjuna like krishna is masquerading as his chariot driver and teaches them all these life lessons, and that's where this through line comes from. Because I guess, like, because Will Smith is teaching Matt Damon how to golf, but he's also teaching him how to, like, focus and sort of recover from his PTSD. Oh, man. We need John Brooks for this episode. (laughs) That's what I was thinking as we were watching. I was like, it's a shame that he didn't sign up for this one. I don't know, because, like, I mentioned Happy Gilmore earlier, and, like, I feel like that movie is making fun of this movie with the Chubbs character coming in and teaching Happy how to be a real golfer and being his mentor and everything like that. And, it, and it's sort of flipping this idea on its head and saying, like, it's just like a normal thing. Like, it's just a thing that comes along with sports, you know, is like everybody has like if you're a golfer, your caddy should be your mentor. Like he should be involved in your teachings. If you're a boxer, you have, you know, Rocky had Mickey. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. everybody has somebody. So I don't feel like that per se is enough to say, like, oh, I based it on this text because those teachings have just been handed down for so long they're just weaved into like storytelling in general like there's kind of no way to get around that if you're doing a sports movie i i also saw that the other guys that matt damon plays in this are based on real golfers right and like a lot of this movie is like taken from matches they played right so i was like just do that movie just do the movie of the real dudes like take matt damon out of this take will smith out of this and like that might have been a more entertaining film for me i haven't read the book i didn't look into the book i think the book is probably this story which is sort of like a fictionalized adaptation of these two golfers lives and them playing against this other guy or whatever 
But I think the movie version was always going to be this story because I also read that when Robert Redford was first working on this, he was going to cast himself and Morgan Freeman as the Matt Damon mm. and Will Smith roles. And he's like, it'd probably be better if they were younger. And so that's when he found Matt Damon and Will Smith. I think that the thread here of this fictional golfer with this magical Negro helping him through, that's always going to be the center of this movie, which is unfortunate because mm-hmm. you're right. Like if it was just like a head to head, I don't know how the story, I don't know if Charlize would fit into this movie. I guess you could sort of adapt it so that like one of the two golfers, one of these two legendary golfers, either Hagen or Jones is from the town that she's in. Like they have to get him as the local boy done good, right? Like that is mm. possible too. It just feels like this third guy, it's like he's the one that's going to drum up interest. He's sort of the no name, the former, the has been, the was, the the war hero who ran it's off like and became the hometown alcoholic. hero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like you could probably do that with a lot with either one of the other two guys if you rewrite it. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was watching this saying like I, I liked the Shia movie more because it was more of just a, like a straightforward story and everything. And this, I don't know. I think this one has too many parts to a degree, and I think that's part of the problem. Is there's like two stories here. There's like the Matt Damon stuff and then there's the real life stuff and it just feels like it clashes. At one point I was like, oh, how great would it have been if they're on the golf course and they see Will Smith and he's like an amazing golfer and Charlize is like, he's in the tournament, you know? And like Matt Damon becomes his caddy because he's like lost an arm in the war but he's still got all the knowledge to be a caddy or something. Or like just have it be the little kid since he's the one telling this story. What if he's like this wonder kid golf caddy who convinces Matt Damon to play again and then has the knack for picking the right club and and the kid is the caddy sort of like I guess that's more like the Shia movie too where he had the little the little fat kid as his caddy but (laughs) but like there are ways it's again like we've run into this problem so much and I feel like it's more inherent in the Charlize movies we've watched is that like it's frustrating because the core is there and it's just like what ends up there at the finish line is just like not as satisfying as what you can see could have finished we run into that problem a lot like the potential and the squandered sort of potential or or the not making up their mind, not deciding, you know, and I think that's what's so great about a lot of the Soderbergh stuff we covered is like he makes decisions and sticks with them and this one it just feels like they couldn't decide. Another thing that I'm unclear about that was that I sort of thought about as you were talking was can people see Will Smith? Like, yes, right? But he's also not a real person. Yeah, like that bothered me a lot like if you're gonna make him magical go all the way I thought for sure he was a ghost and then when the little boy saw him I was like well he's a child and he had you know like the rules are different children can see different things like he hasn't been corrupted by adulthood or anything so he's pure and then he's at the tournament and people are shaking his hand I'm like no 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 he's supposed to be a ghost or something because especially at the end of the movie, like, he basically escorts Jack Lemmon off to heaven or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's... It's, Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, that was a big misstep for me. I was like, you're introducing him like he's not real, like he's in Matt Damon's head. I would have gone for that, too. Like, that would have been great if they did... Maybe it's too much because of the time period, but if you did some kind of, like, Fight Club reveal at the end where, like, Bagger was never there and Matt Damon was just, like, talking to himself on the course and, like, you know, picking his own club. That might as well club. be what it is. Like, that might as well be what it is. Because there's, yeah. like, there's no real proof that he's actually there. Like, maybe they're shaking Matt Damon's hand. Who knows? I feel like there's a mystical, magical theme here, but they just don't want to go that, like, crazy, mind-bending route, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like if you introduce that element, you have to sort of exploit it. You know, you have to go further than they do, at least. 
you need to you know own it right i mean there's magic here like make it magical like go go full disney i'm not saying he has to like vanish like i actually thought when he was on the beach at the end dancing he was gonna like do one of those disappearing acts and just like sort of vanish off screen i don't think and then there was only one set of footprints on the beach that's basically what it is but i mean there are there would have been ways to sort of you know make this more wondrous or uh you know what i'm saying like just like make it more sort of fantastical or you know make us feel the magic of it more because i feel like that's what it wants it wants you to feel like wonderful (laughs) like about it and there is no real wonder here yeah no you're right i mean there is nothing really wonderful there's nothing really special or unique the one thing that i do want to give this movie credit for you were talking when we did the greatest game ever played the shia golf movie you said that movie you thought was shot really well golf wise I think Robert Redford does a really good job of shooting this movie golf-wise. There's also a point that can be made that, like, three-quarters of this movie is golf. Like, there's, like, a little bit of setup, and then, like, the rest of the movie is the tournament. Like, there is a lot of golf in this movie. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly that the this movie looks beautiful. Like, there are some shots that are just, like, incredible in this. Mostly, like, the sunset silhouetted type of stuff. But, uh, yeah, Redford definitely knows what he's shooting. <laughs> I was really surprised, like, most of this movie is the tournament. I thought that for sure, like, that was just going to be happening in the middle of the second act and that most of it was going to be sort of social politics but that's not what it's about it's literally like getting his swing back that's the whole movie is like you lost your swing we got to find it and you know or find a new swing or it's more about him discover rediscovering who he is as a person after the war on the golf course so that like he can go on to be a functional person to what end though like i don't I don't know. I don't care. Like, we don't... Like, he's not real. He's not a real person. I mean, I guess you also can't have a movie about a real person visited by, like, a, a ghost of some kind that mm-hmm. then goes on to be a, a good person. Like, that doesn't make sense. But I don't know, like, to what end. Because like, he doesn't win the tournament. They all tie. They shake hands at the end. I don't oh, know I if he... thought he won. No, they tied. Oh. That wasn't even clear because he did that thing where his ball moved. Right, yeah, no. Because he was, was going to win... And then he moved the ball, he took the stroke, that was like his development or his growth or his his maturity. Yeah. That's when Will Smith leaves, he's like, I can't teach him anymore, he's already good to go. He goes off to that beach, Matt Damon <laughs> makes the crazy, crazy putt, that ties them, and the three of them all tie at the top of the leaderboard, and they all just shake the gentlemanly hand. So I guess Charlize gets to keep her $10,000? I don't know, I have no idea. But like, <laughs> the movie also isn't about... like. Considering how much the movie is about golf, the movie doesn't care about the golf at all. Like, it doesn't care who wins. None of them win. You thought somebody won. I think the movie makes you think that somebody won. Yes, it's it just, does. The movie's like, hey, this is about personal growth. This is mm-hmm. about becoming a good person. This is about overcoming and conquering your demons. And that's it. And we don't care about anything else. I also, I'm not sure... Are he and Charlize together at the end? I don't think so, right? Because, like, yeah. he wins her back, and then, like, two scenes later, she comes, she's like, no, I can't do this. Like, what do you, like, that was a cool scene. We'll get to that. <laughs> They're not together, so he's just on his own, right? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, and it's still the Great Depression, so, I mean, like, it's not like things are great out there either. Yeah, you know, the movie is weird. It's, like, it's not about golf, but it's, like, about sportsmanship and, like, character and, and honor and being, you know, and, like, doing the right thing. It, like, fits all that stuff in around the sort of construct of golf. So, like, it just... That's just the game. It could have been any game, I feel, really. These were the times, I suppose, where, like, 
you know, this is what the book was about. So this is the game we're going with here. There's not like a lot going on here, basically. Like, and I was just a little surprised. Like, that's it. If it just felt like kind of repetitive. It's like I knew he was going to get his swing back eventually. So I was just like, oh, he's going to succeed and fail, succeed and fail, succeed and fail, you know, and then eventually he's going to come to his senses and do the right thing. And that's where he's going to ascend as a person. And <laughs> Bagger is just going to saunter off at that point. And so like, I, I feel like it's just kind of predictable and it doesn't do enough extra stuff in there to make it stand out over you know other movies really i mean only only charlize and like what she's doing in this is kind of keeping me engaged really like when she's showing up she's so there you know she's like very much a big presence of this movie even when she's not on screen because it's like her golf course and it's her idea and it's her this and everything and so she's really keeping me engaged here she is too it's it's between her and the way that the golf looks but what's sad for her is that she starts out as such a strong character but she's objectified a couple times at least in that the opening voiceover, Jack Lemmon is like, oh. Matt Damon won a lot of things, but the best thing he ever won was her heart. And it's like, well, that's not true. But then the other thing later is that when she comes to Matt Damon before he agrees, and she's like, what's it going to take? And this is, it's sort of, it's this weird scene where it's like empowering and also objectifying, where she's like, what's it going to take for you to golf if I have sex with you? And she says, that, like, if I have sex with you, will you play? And he's like, yeah, I guess that'll do it. She's like, oh, good, I thought I was going to take more than that. Like, I, I like that as, like, a she's doing whatever she needs to do to get there. But then what's creepy about the scene is that Matt Damon knows little Jack Lemon is awake and, like, is mm-hmm. letting him watch her undress. Like, it just, that's weird. Like, I guess that's, again, <laughs> yeah. showing how much of a scumbag Matt Damon is. But at the same time, it's like, this is weird. Like, it should be this moment where, like, Charlize is using her feminine strength to get what she needs to do, even if she's not really into Matt Damon, like, which she's clearly not at this point. Like, she's doing what she needs to do to honor her father, get this golf tournament going, restore money to the town and to the golf course and all this different stuff. And then for the little kid to be, like, peeping Tom at her, it's just uncomfortable. Yeah, and I wonder almost if that kid just wasn't in the movie at all, everything would land a lot better. Like, I just don't get the weight of any of it because it's sort of projected from my perspective i'm seeing this through the kid's eyes so like it's all just through this childlike filter so it comes across way too innocent for me and and then it gets to like creepy because the kid's in the room and matt damon is like you want to see your first naked lady like i'm gonna hook you up and that's just strange if that kid wasn't in the room it would have meant something to me because one of the better things that's set up in this film is their history before the war like in that opening montage and everything like if jack lemon's voiceover is good for anything it's only in that opening montage where like an entire movie is condensed into like 20 minutes but then that voiceover keeps coming back and i'm just like dude i know i'm watching it i can see like i don't need you to like walk me through this movie with your voiceover also i'm getting it but Yeah, I I was wondering if that kid, you know, again, another version of this movie, just like do this, but eject the boy and then it'll all sort of be through the eyes of the adult and then maybe the tone will work better for me. I don't know how to fix this movie. I guess I guess that works. It just it feels like it's just such a mess. I don't I don't know. It's I I don't like the the voiceover, but I do like in the beginning. What I really like, especially liked about the beginning is at least in conjunction with Charlize's character, we saw a couple weeks ago on Cider House, Paul Rudd getting lost at war like devastates her oh, yeah. like it seems like she's not really into it and all this different stuff that you know she had this life of freedom her man is paralyzed and she's like i guess i gotta do this now and that's when little toby Maguire goes back to the orphanage and becomes michael Caton. here what i liked is that matt damon ostensibly dies in war 
or it doesn't come back or isn't the same person or whatever at whatever point and she's just like well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna wait here you know waiting for this guy i'm gonna go do my thing that was a great shot and that was cool like she's like i love him i want to be with him we see him we see them before he leaves doing the dirty corn off screen so hard that like a picture or a painting or something falls off the wall and shatters the <laughs> the glass. I like that she's independent enough and strong enough to be like, well, I'm not going to just sit here and cry and like boo-hoo until my man comes back or I get official news or official word one way or the other. I've got work to do. And so that was really cool. And then it basically feels like as soon as Matt Damon rolls back into town, she just doesn't, she loses all agency and she's just like, hey, I need you to be in my golf tournament, question mark? It's this back and forth of like, will they, won't they? And eventually she says no, but then after she says no, I think we only see her maybe one other time the rest of the movie, and she's like watching him play and smiling. Like, she doesn't say anything else left, I don't think. It's just like, for her to be one of those floating heads on the movie poster, there's the three floating heads, like these are the big three, Mm -hmm. she's basically removed entirely, and that's just sad. I love that shot, like you're talking about there's that actual moment when she decides she's going to move on it's like an actual shot where like the camera is zooming in on her and you can just see the shift in her facial expression like nope I'm not going to wait anymore like I, I have an idea like I'm going to get the work and I, I love that like I thought that worked really well and yeah you know like I said earlier like this movie is her movie you know once that montage ends for like the next 20 minutes or so it's her like trying to scramble about this tournament you know she's going to visit the other two golfers the people at the bank or whatever the mayor who's like a real asshole is like trying to foreclose on her father's golf course and everything like that and then it's like their idea to get Matt Damon because they're like we need a third we need someone to represent our city and everything so like I don't feel like she ever thought about him ever again you know like she's like well he's done like I gotta put him out of my mind and then so when he's sort of like forcefully reintroduced into her life she does lose like that edge unfortunately where I feel like the edge should have intensified like she should have gotten you know maybe a little harder or a little more forefront when she realized Matt Damon was gonna be back in the picture and instead they give all that shit to the little kid where the little kid like runs from the town meeting to like the drunk shack where Matt Damon's playing cards with all the um, like black dudes and everything out there we get like that strange scene about like getting drunk and all that kind of thing there's not enough to go around and they're sort of spacing it out to the wrong characters at times like i feel like all that stuff all the matt damon getting back bringing him back all that should have been on her shoulders and that would have just been way more interesting dramatically instead it's the little kid and i don't like it as much because i'm not following the kid as a character as well as i'm following Charlize or Damon. I also wasn't clear until some point in the movie that the little kid was Jack Lemmon. Like, I don't think that mm-hmm. was made obvious. But this movie is also super long. Like, this movie's two hours and seven minutes yeah, long. Like, why long. is it this long? I do feel like if it was made for kids, if it was sort of Disney-fied, they would have cut out half an hour somewhere. Because it's just... It feels long. Like, I don't know what you cut out. I mean, maybe, I guess you condense the golf stuff. I guess you mm. take out a few things here or there. But, like, it just feels incredibly long. Yeah, I, I would have cut like the whole first half hour probably. I would it would have started where it's like the depression. Charlie's father builds this great golf course and then he dies and it's on her shoulders to sort of run the company. And then that's when she gets the idea of the tournament and then at like the 15 minute mark we find out that she had a history with one of the golfers and then you know for the next 20 minutes we deal with that and then you know we can have like an hour of golf. So there are I feel like there's ways to streamline this and make it a little better, but yeah, it's just it's just tough. It's just try it just wants to do 
all this stuff so it's hard to see what to remove because everything is so like woven together yeah in boring ways i guess like it's just <laughs> i'm out of notes I, I didn't take many notes on this because i was sort of waiting for Charlize to come back i'd already seen this movie even though he doesn't win matt damon essentially wins in the end because he's back to his old life essentially you know he's gonna be a good guy again contribute to society comes back from 12 strokes back so like you know how it's gonna play out i was just waiting for Charlize. bum that she didn't show up more but is there anything else about this movie that you wanted to talk about before we get into the pitch a sequel game which i feel like the legend of bagger vance 2 has a lot of possibilities <laughs> i had just two quick notes one is about the rest of the cast of this movie i feel like it's just cast with character actors for some reason like like one of the golfers, the um, the sort of older one with the dark hair is Bruce McGill, who played D-Day in Animal House. That guy is just like a character actor. Like I feel like you needed someone to play that role. And the other golfer, too. Like I've only seen that guy in a few things. Those are roles that need to be sort of stronger, you know, as heavy as a Matt Damon. Like Matt Damon being the young one, like get two sort of more older prestigious actors. Maybe Redford could have played one of those roles or something like that. So that just kind of bothered me too, is just there's not a lot of support for the main cast here. By this point, Charlize has made out with both um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. So like I felt for her. Uh, And finally, so there's a scene in this movie where her dad shoots himself with a gun And that reminded me of something about her actual life where her father was shot with a gun. But by her mother. By her mother, though. Yes. So we, I know we were sort of looking for things about her life throughout because so many things about have sort of popped up about her being a model, and then she played a model about her teeth, and then she married like a dentist in a movie and stuff. So, so that popped into my head. Good catch. My only thing that I read on IMDb was that Matt Damon had never played golf before. And so he did like a month of intensive golf training and apparently golfed so much that he hurt himself. I think he looks pretty good. Like he looks, it, I mean, it's just, it's movie magic and stuff, but he looks convincing in this. So good job, Matt Damon. I feel Matt Damon is also a good period piece actor. Like he, I buy him in Mr. Ripley. I buy him in this time period. Like I just, you know, like I feel like some actors have it and some actors don't. Like I don't feel like Keanu can really do it too well even though I, I love Keanu like I feel like Matt Damon's got that look like he fits in the past I think everybody in this movie does for the most part I think that's that, that was a good job in terms of casting that we know Charlize can play in the, in the past Will Smith looks like he's from this era too the other actors I, I don't know if I agree with you that we need heavier hitters for the other golfers because I don't think they're ultimately too important to the story and I also feel like a sort of budgetary like when you guys are going to make less money but mm-hmm. I think that they even if they're not as heavy hitters as you would like, they work here too. I think everybody, like this movie feels of the era, which is good. It's just sort of a a messy story that I wish was condensed or cleared up and especially had more Charlies in it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just wish it was more streamlined. There was sort of less stuff going on, you know, either stick to the life lesson thing or just make it like a golf sports film. But pick one, I feel. I feel like it just couldn't decide. All right. So into the back half Mm -hmm. of the program, we do have an email address. If you want to email us, watch at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of the movie, of the podcast. Just say hi, whatever you want to do. We do have our game. So we have nine different genres. Mike, I'm going to let you go first here. Going to do a number between one and nine. All right. You have number five, which is another one that we've done already, but 
the gritty reboot. So Legend of Bagger Vance 2. Oh no. The gritty reboot. I feel like I'm terrible at this game so far. <laughs> like, well, this is only like the, four, the fourth time we've done it, right? So I mean, uh, yeah. the good news is that as soon as you get good at it, we're going to move on to another game. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> the gritty reboot of The Legend of Bagger Vance. Well, I get, you know, it's got to, okay, so it's got to take place today. It's Jack Lemon's grandson. He is back from Iraq. Used to be, you know, an okay golfer, but when he came back to America and he's out there like late at night swinging away at the driving range, up pops this. It's not, I'm not going to go the same route, but he, you ever see the show Happy? on sci-fi network no let's just say like instead of will smith he visualizes like sort of like an imaginary friend like a character so like in the show happy it's a pink unicorn that flies around christopher maloney and like talks to him but in bagger vance 2 it'll just it'll be like you know more of like a baba duke type of thing okay. that okay. like whispers into his ear like the secrets of golf and all that kind of a benevolent one but nonetheless like it reflects sort of the visions of horror that he's dealing with mentally internally in his mind and so like he's got this imaginary creature uh, and he's out there on the range and his family thinks he's going nuts with PTSD because he's like talking to himself and he's only spending all of his time golfing and it turns out like he's just training and he enters a tournament and he gets sort of like scouted and people remember him from before and he gets invited to play in this tournament by the end of the movie like throughout the film his imaginary character sort of like becomes like cleaner and better looking and nicer and everything and by the end it looks just like him by the time he's able to like reaccept himself and win the tournament and all this stuff, like, his self-image has been restored, and he can go on and, you know, do whatever he wants after the movie ends. That's kind of like a gritty reboot with a happy ending, which is not too common, but I like it. Yeah, I just tried to go gritty in look and tone, and then try and keep sort of like the magical Disney ending. <laughs> do you have any sense, I mean, we don't normally do this, but do you have any sense of who would play Jack Lemmon's grandson? Shia. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, that would be good, too. Yeah, no, that he actually kind of looks related. There we go. But I'm actually happy, I'm finally happy with one of my answers. <laughs> All right, I got a four, which is the Hollywood blockbuster, which I don't think we've done yet. No. So this is, okay, if we, so this movie, which made no money, which, you know, had a budget of 80 million that made 40 million, apparently Hollywood has greenlit a sequel, $200 million. <laughs> so The Legend of Bagger Vance 2, tentatively titled Electric Boogaloo, we have Matt Damon <laughs> leaving this movie in a good spot that he has cleaned up confident he now bagger vance 2 for some reason bagger vance is not in this movie like will smith's not in this movie yeah he's not in mine either i noticed (laughs) this movie now follows the matt damon character and it is a lush golf centric film again but we he goes from course to course across america he finds this is something i'm going to pull from i'm going to tap into our history Mm. when we were doing that thing you do we were talking about how it would would have been nice for charlize to follow him from place to place and so Mm -hmm. we have matt damon traveling across the country going from golf tournament to golf tournament in each of these locations there's like the local legend or something they're all actors you know and this is where the hollywood blockbuster like oh matt damon is golfing against you know ben affleck up in boston he's golfing against <laughs> some cowboy down in texas or whatever going across the country going all these different places lots of people you know we also follow charlize who's back in this movie for some reason and charlize is like we think that she's there she's like 
do I love this guy? Because he's, you know, getting all this acclaim. She's sort of following his career like they were following him that thing you do, that it's this band getting airtime, playing concerts, playing festivals, getting radio time, all this stuff, playing on TV. She's tracking it. She sees him winning golf tournament after golf tournament, you know, making money, but she's not into the money because she comes from a family of wealth, all this different stuff. And we follow her as she's following him. And, you know, he's like, there's young girls in all these towns that are throwing themselves at this legendary golfer. And finally, at the end of the movie, Charlize catches up to him. And we think that like, oh, this is going to be the moment where Matt Damon and Charlize get back together. It's the love that was meant to be the pre-war love. But Charlize says no. And she slaps him. She's just been following him to say what's on her mind one more time. A real downer of an ending. And then the Matt Damon character <laughs> kills himself out of depression. Oh! <laughs> That's incredible. I did not see that coming. No one does, because it doesn't make any sense. But I just want Charlize <laughs> to have the upper hand in this movie. She's following him around. We think we, like, we sort of pity her. But at the end, she's just like, you are disgusting or something. I don't know. Legend of Baggerman 2, the end. No, I don't know. I don't know. Electric Boogaloo is fine, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so I mean, oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't name mine. I guess it would be Bagger Vance 2 as in T-O-O. Like, oh. he's also Bagger Vance. Okay. The Baba Tuk Tuk Tuk, like T-O-O, T-O, T-W-O. That doesn't really work, but, you know, I get it. Okay. So for the Watch a Throne Awards, I I didn't pre-nominate this for anything. I don't think it's bad enough to be for worst film. I thought about putting it for best role especially early on but she's not in it enough to have it's this close. stand out yeah it's so close like she got the strength and the attitude and the part it's just she doesn't have the screen time it's really weird how center she is for the first sort of like half of this movie and then just like really comes back to take a picture on a dance floor at one point <laughs> I am adding this movie to the Southern Charm nomination for Best Accent Voice. Now we have Devil's Advocate and this, so just to make sure we count that all out. There's not enough of a love story to fit any of those. There's no real sex scene of note here. She doesn't die, which is surprising. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no real fight. She does have a couple good lines. You know what I kind of want to do? I kind of want to, when she stands up to those men at the beginning of the movie, but when she's at her father's desk and they're like trying to buy the golf course from her for 10 cents on the dollar, and she stands mm-hmm. up to them, I think that was a really powerful, strong moment. It's not as though you've got a choice. Adele, your Cool Island Golf Resort is dead and gone. You've got the gumption of a corn, Fred and Escalusa. Well, my gumption is not the subject here, Adele. Well, then what is the subject, gentlemen? Huh? If it's your offer to take crawling up my hands for one-tenth of what my father spent on... You are lucky to be getting a dime on the dollar, Adele. Just so you gentlemen can turn right around and resell it to some Carolina paper mill for a tidy profit? The fact that you've most likely got the deal in your pocket already is not my problem. Maybe we should come back when the shock of your father's past isn't so... so... <laughs> Don't bother. I'm not selling. You've got a stack of debts that fill every storage bay and a cotton exchange, and Adele. And I intend to pay them off. In time. With what? Ball token? With the tons of money people are going to spend once they know that this is the premier result in the set. But I would like to nominate that for best line. What's nice is that this is the fourth movie that we've now seen that she did in 2000. You know, she wasn't in Men of Honor a ton. No. She wasn't in, generally speaking, she wasn't in The Yards a ton. 
Um, she was in a good amount of Reindeer games, but this is sort of the first time yeah. in a couple of weeks where she's, like, in it with actual lines, with actual, like, character motivation. I mean, she's not mm-hmm. in it a ton here either, but she feels more of a character than she did in either of the last two episodes, really. So I like that that clip, so that's that's good. Just looking here, anything else? Freak out? No. Cinematography, maybe? Maybe. It's not like one of those movies that, like, the film isn't bad enough where the cinematography saves it, you know? It's just, like, uh, okay film with that looks amazing as opposed to stuff we've seen in the past which is like terrible but like looks amazing now my only other question for you before we open it up to other categories is will smith a raptor yes he most certainly is all right yes. so will he's smith a rapping actor and he's Bagger probably fans. man he's so fucking charming like i don't care like i just love him in everything you know that's another yep. maybe that's just like a poor quality though like i shouldn't but i just can't help it like that movie came on today this morning with colin Farrell and oh winter's you know, tale Will- yep, it was on HBO winter's tale yep. yeah and i waited to watch the will smith parts so i was like i'm gonna watch the devil? The- i knew yeah i was like i know he's in this movie i'm waiting for him and like i wonder if that's like something with me like i have to get over because like i can't fairly judge will smith just because like i don't know like i have like this thing about him well, like I the way really you, like him. I mean, you I and zeph like i said at the top right like i really yeah, liked yeah. him like he was my first favorite actor i think because i mm-hmm. loved independence day and i loved men in black and like these movies in the 90s, like, those were my 90s blockbusters that I loved, and I just, I sort of followed him for a while after that, and even when yeah. he's in a, a not-a-great-movie, like, I always thought, like, I sort of went through a little bit of a house clean. I never got rid of a ton of DVDs, but I went through a little bit of a house cleaning a few years ago and got rid of a bunch of DVDs, but, like, I didn't get rid of any of his, because I was like, there might come a day where we do him for a podcast, because I just like him in things. Although, I don't know mm-hmm. that he would necessarily be interesting, because I feel like he kind of plays a similar type of like he kind of yeah. always plays himself. I mean, that's always incredibly likable, unless you get to a movie like uh, what was the one that came out where not not Concussion, but around the same time as Concussion, where he... oh the one after that with the um, when he's writing letters to yes, I don't emotions what... and stuff. Yeah, what is that movie? He's going to be in Aladdin. Is he even a genie in Aladdin? I hope not. I don't know. Oh, he's also in Suicide Squad, so I mean, we don't really necessarily want to do that. But, but... he's great in Suicide Squad. He I is. mean, he helped me get through that movie. Like literally, I was like collateral beauty. You collateral beauty oh man and that's what's sort of sad about will smith is that like bring it back to Charlize for a second he'll do hancock in 08 along with seven pounds and then he sort of stops acting he comes back in men in black three four years later and then after earth which is not great he's i got apparently got a cameo in anchorman 2 he's got that one scene of winter's tale he's in focus with margot robbie which is not great he's in concussion which i didn't see but didn't hear great things about Suicide Squad, yeah. Collateral Beauty, Bright. So he's back now, but he Oof. took like four or five years off acting. He's got like kids that are very much in the industry too, so I could see him taking some years to help Jaden and Willow yep. get their stuff off the ground and all. And he did that movie with Jaden too, which Jaden is actually, you know, it's hard because of his public image as well. And like, I don't know, youngsters, like I'm just an old fart now and I don't understand, you know, that generation. But that kid's not a bad actor either. Karate Kid, he's pretty good now. I'm kind of surprised he's got talent so maybe we do a podcast where it's the whole we need to come up with a name for it but it's all the smiths it's will and jada and willow and Jaden. because i think it's it's mostly will and then there's a bunch probably a bunch of jada too Mm -hmm. then we have a little bit we sort of take a quick detour for karate kid and we take a quick detour for willow's stuff i'm just not sure what smith like smith is hard to we could probably find i know (laughs) it is literally like the most generic last name in the history of names so like what can you do 
But I'm, I'm looking, you know, we have the, the Bad Boys movies, which would be great. We have iRobot, mm-hmm. Return to Shia. We have Hitch. The Men in which, Black films, man. Men in Black films. Hitch, which is not great, but is fun. I Am Legend. Is Hitch sort is of, sort of like that Gosling movie where he's like like a relationship expert kind of thing, right? Where he... I don't, know if Gosling. I, know, I don't know which what one is that? Is that Crazy Stupid Love? Yeah, yeah. It's kinda he plays like I haven't seen that yet. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't no, no, really no, spoil okay. anything, but it's sort of like a hitch type thing. Alright. It's just like a Casanova. I think in that he's teaching Kevin James how to be suave <laughs> or something. I mean, so we have Will Smith as the best raptor, which is rapper or musician turned actor. Do we wanna not I don't think we should nominate him necessarily for best male actor role. Like is he on par with like Tom Hanks in that thing you do? Or De Niro or Cuba in oh, Men of Honor, or Keanu no, Bell's Oh, man, Cuba is so good. I mean, I just keep thinking about Men of Honor. Cuba and De Niro were, like, going toe-to-toe in that movie. I, I feel like this material sort of, like, isn't helping. You know, he's doing the best he can with this material, right. but I don't think it's the kind of role that's going to get him sure. nominated. Are there other categories that you think we should nominate this movie for? So we have it for cinematography. We have Will Smith as musician-turned-actor. Anything else of uh, note? No, no, not necessarily. No, I couldn't really. I was watching it this time, like, trying to rack my brain going through it. Like, can I come up with a new category? Is there anything that's going to fit the old one that Joey might not think of? That, like, we pretty much came up with, like, the same. Yep. Yeah, I'm good. The one thing that I want to point out about these awards is that I, I feel like we ran into it a little bit with both Cage and Keanu in finding other male actors to nominate for Best and Worst. Here so far, we're, we're through 14 movies, and we have no women nominated for Best Role or Worst Role. It's Charlize or Bust, pretty much. Which That's I, weird. I mean, it, it sort of makes sense in that when she's the lead of the movie, it's not like there's, like, unless there's a, another, like, a really female-centric movie. It usually, like, a lot of movies are sort of, like, one and one, right? Like, there's a guy and a girl. Like, here, there's two guys and a girl, whatever. So, you know, if, if we were doing a Will Smith podcast we can nominate Matt Damon so that's a little unfortunate there I can see why like it, it, it was tough because like in a lot of Cage and Keanu movies you know they are the guy in it right and so unless you're like in an action movie but it's just weird and I guess maybe not weird if you think about the roles for women in Hollywood but like right. there's not I mean there's nothing bad enough to be nominated for worst role which I guess is a good thing but there's also been no other really strong female characters in any of her movies yet, which is unfortunate. Yeah, the only one I can think of is Erica Badu, right? She was in Cider House Rules, and but she's she not was just in there enough to be like right, you know. right. That's yeah, exactly. That was that was exactly what I was going to say. Is like she's there, but she's not really like in the movie all so much. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. It's uh, I was thinking about that watching it this time. I was like, she's the only woman in this fucking movie, and yep. it's like the little boy has a mom. Like, where the hell is she? And I don't know. It's very strange. I did get that like weird feeling that time watching it so hopefully hopefully when she's the centerpiece like when she's leading movies she can fix stuff like that you know like instead of her just being the lead and acting against two guys like maybe she could be the lead and acting against two women or a woman and a guy and like can sort of like flip that somehow that is definitely something that we're dealing with that we uh, weren't experiencing with a male actor I'm trying to think part down of, the part road. Of the industry. I mean, there's there's other women in Mad Max, but they're all sort of the the quiet, the brides, which is not. Oh uh, yeah, it's mostly Max and yep. her. And yeah. but then I was thinking, you know, when we get to Atomic Blonde, we can nominate Sofia Boutella because she's good in that movie. So there's at least going to be one. Yeah. I hope she doesn't win by default. I've actually seen the trailer of Eon Flux, and I know that there's like at least one more kick-ass action 
chick in that movie somewhere. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've seen the trailer. I mean, now that as we're recording this, the trailer for Tully is floating around, and oh, Christina Ricci is in Monster. I've seen Monster. Oh, so she'll so, probably be you know. nominated. Yeah, I haven't seen Monster yet. That's coming up soon. Okay. The, whoever plays Tully in Tully will probably be nominated. So there's stuff coming. It's just mm-hmm. few and far between. Um, unfortunately, so next week though we have uh, a return to a film that we have already caught covered on this podcast network. Another yes. trip down Keanu Lane for oh, Sweet man. November. So it's going to be interesting to see this movie <laughs> from her perspective as opposed to his next week. Sweet November. Really looking forward to that because I don't know about you, but I don't know. I feel like I've just been a little off my game with this podcast for some reason like I just I don't know maybe it's because you know she isn't the lead in all these movies yet and you sort of have to deal with like a lot of other stuff but I'm looking forward to getting back into sort of a comfort zone with Keanu being there and sort of like maybe uh, getting me back into shape when it comes to uh, podcasting or something I don't know. Well I mean like uh, I don't know that she's really going to be the lead in a lot of movies that's just what Hollywood is unfortunately I mean like you know she's going to win an Oscar for Monster and like that same year's Italian job and she's not the lead I mean, she's one of the leads, but she's not the lead. I mean, in Mad Max, she's the lead, but it's also a lot of Tom Hardy. Like, you know, these movies that sort of define her career, she's a lot of the times either not necessarily the lead, she's sort of like the the second lead or just the the romantic interest or something so when I, when we get to movies yeah. like young adult like i think as we get into like i'm, I'm, I'm interested to see because she's obviously well respected and well regarded and like cast in, in really good strong roles or at least in terms of leading roles but i wonder when that switch is going to come because i feel like it has to be soon will it be yeah. before monster will monster be it like when will she be type of actress to lead movies as opposed to just being, like, his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just been a bit of an adjustment that was unforeseen. So <laughs> it's keeping things interesting, for yep. sure. Anyway, for all things Watch the Throne and all of our other Keanu podcasts, if you want to prepare for next week, if you want to go back and listen to our Sweet November podcast from Keanu Club, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter. We're up to about 15 or 16 shows, I think. This episode is coming out on, drumroll please, March 2. Oh, you know what that means? Tomorrow, Uh-oh. your podcast comes out, Third Time's a Charm. That's awesome. coming out tomorrow. We also have come out in the last month, The Contender, so go check that out for more strong women. We also have Winona Forever, which came out, I think, last week or maybe this week. So go check out Winona Forever, which is a new Winona Ryder podcast that we have on our network. So we are diversifying. It took us a while. We are diversifying, focusing more on women. So that's cool. Check that out. The Contenders. Check out Winona Forever. Check out Tomorrow, Third Time's a Charm. And then stay tuned in March for another podcast, which I think should be hopefully launching. I think what we talked about on previous episodes, I think, knock on wood, Nico's The Billy Club podcast, along with his husband, Kevo, and their friend, Tori, the Daredevil Comics podcast should come out sometime next month we are in the midst of a lot of new releases podcasts the most we've had i mean i was gonna say the most we've had since december but that was like two months ago so i mean like you know it it hasn't been that long but i'm just excited because there's all these new podcasts that i'm not directly involved with that like mike and i can sort of i mean not i mean mike has his own podcast so like all these shows i can be a guest on but i don't have to do any work on which is great i love it so good job everyone but yeah, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, at cageclubpod on Twitter. Go check out all of those shows, all of our shows. March 1st means it's going to be Fast and Furious, which came out yesterday, the fourth one. So we are between Tokyo Drift and Fast Five. Uh, this is Joe 2's hmm. least favorite 
Fast and Furious movie, so I wonder <laughs> if he liked it more. We have not recorded that yet, so we will see. You're on that long flight back from Japan. Yes, uh, to <laughs> wherever, and maybe Letty dies. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a heartbreaking movie. I don't remember anything about it except Gal Gadot is in it, so I'm excited oh, to see... Oh, she shows up in 4? She's in 4, 5, 6. I've only seen 4 once. It's my least seen Furious film. And it's, I think Joe's only seen it once or twice. Considering he's seen Tokyo Drift enough to like have quoted everything as we were watching it. And, had, and to have gone to Japan to like do a Tokyo Drift tour yes. on his own and like visit the locations. Mm-hmm. To have only seen the fourth one once or twice speaks volumes to how much he does not like it. But Gal Gadot does show up at some point in this movie. Uh, she's 456. And also speaking of Gal Gadot, go check out uh, The Contenders, which came out the episode on... Ooh, want to say the 20th, that would be the Wonder Woman episode that I was on. So Tobin, Tobin's sister, Aislinn, the co-hosts of that show, and I spoke about Wonder Woman. So lots of Gal Gadot talk. If they leave it in, there's also lots of Fast and Furious talk, because of course there is. So go check that out. But anyway, one more time, one final time, cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, at cageclubpod on Twitter, watch at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne. Four! Straight down the middle It went straight down the middle Then it started to hook just a wee wee bit That's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day But it went straight down the middle